Hello amazing physicians. Welcome to another episode of the Underdog Physician podcast. This is Vidya Kolu and Anish Desai. We are both practicing physicians in the US. As underdogs, the deck always feels like it's stacked against us. No matter what you do, it seems more challenging to reach your goal compared to your peers, and you possibly end up in an even more difficult situation. Our stories and common journey has laid the foundation for the Underdog Physician podcast. Despite our struggles, we got to where we are now with persistence, hard work, and more importantly, by surrounding ourselves with a nurturing community. This podcast is for the underdog pre-medical, medical students, residents, and aspiring physician entrepreneurs who are looking to find a source of inspiration to beat the odds no matter where you are in your journey. We'll be discussing residency and med school application process, navigating medical training effectively, personal finance, and work-life balance. We are so glad you are listening to our podcast while commuting, exercising, doing laundry, cooking, waiting in line, or whatever chore you might be working on. Today, we have Dr. Obidi being our guest. He's a board-certified pediatrician practicing for over 17 years in Western Maryland, but he also lives with his wife and three kids. He holds a master's in public health from Columbia University School of Public Health with a concentration in maternal and child health. He's also founder and CEO of Partners in Pediatrics and Family Health, a family medicine practice, where he leads a team of four family medicine providers caring for both pediatric and adult patients. He's also the CEO of Newborn Prep Academy, where he runs an online course called the Newborn Preparation Course that helps new expectant and recently delivered moms to understand how to care for their newborn baby and what to expect so they can feel confident and empowered as new moms and ultimately enjoy their babies. Moreover, Dr. Obidi is an IMG and perfect guest for our podcast. So welcome, Dr. Obidi. Thank you so much for having me on, Dr. Cole. I really appreciate the invite. To begin with, tell us about your underdog story. I went to school in Nigeria, Western Western Africa, which is where I'm from originally. And um, so went to medical school there. During medical school, I actually wanted to be an ophthalmologist, which is so crazy because I just loved the eye. It was just a beautiful organ and loved, you know, examining it and learning about it. But as with maybe a lot of IMGs who understand this, our medical system is fashioned after the British system. So after Mm -hmm. medical school, you have a one-year internship year where you have to do three months in PEDS, OBGYN, surgery, and medicine. And during my pediatric rotation, which was almost one of the last ones, I completely enjoyed it. It was such a fun rotation. It wasn't always fun. You know, kids sometimes mm-hmm. are really very sick and in a developing country, sometimes they you know, are brought in too late to win for very pre- preventable things, right? Oftentimes they weren't very good outcomes, but for some reason I found the work just so rewarding, so enjoyable. And so I just decided I was going to be a pediatrician and dumped the whole ophthalmology idea. (laughs) And that is quite a transition. And most of the medical students can identify with this. They kind of go into medicine knowing what they want to and they eventually Uh change paths. And even I wanted to be a pediatrician when I started and then I decided, Uh oh no, that's (laughs) something I just like playing with kids and not something I love practicing. And then I went into internal medicine. That's awesome. Yes. And Dr. Abidi, so what led to your journey to pursue USMLE and come to the US for further training? 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I did have an opportunity to either pursue further training in England or here in the U.S. And I think we just had family members here in the U.S. I had visited us so many times and just felt more comfortable. And so, you know, went through the whole process after my internship year in Nigeria, came down here and started to study for the USMLE since like ages ago. Step one, the step two, the step three. And then after step three, I, and the, I was sort of off just for some reason with the way I did my, took my exams, the dates. I was off by maybe six months or so before the next rotation for pediatric, for residency applications. So I didn't want to waste that time and decided to go ahead and pursue a degree, you know, an MPH, a master's in public health degree. And so I applied to a number of different schools and I got into Columbia University in New York, which is just so fun and was a wonderful experience, just so out of clinical medicine. It was a different experience. I really enjoyed it. And, but by the time I had finished that program, you know, it was time to apply for residency. And so I went ahead and applied for residency and, and got into a pediatric residency in, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. That's awesome. Yeah. So you trained in the East Coast and, and you got into residency when you were applying and you did a master's utilizing mm -hmm. the time that you have left building your CV further yes. and making it more stronger. Yes. So what are some of the challenges you had to face applying for residency being an IMG? I think, you know, there was maybe a lot of internal struggle with just self-doubt, wondering if I was, you know, going to be a good enough candidate. I knew it was a wonderful experience with my master's in public health, but that wasn't necessarily a guarantee either. <laughs> and, you know, that was also a rewarding experience, but it was also an experience that just showed me that I just had still a lot to learn in terms of the culture and how different it was from the culture I had grown up in. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was shocked when in during my program there, my MPH program, people were calling the professors by their first name. I was like, oh my God, that's like sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> you should say professor this and professor that, you know, not Linda and, you know, and Sam. So, but I got through all that but you really when I was applying for for residency itself I really just for some reason just felt like you know I'm just going to believe that I will get into the program I want to get into I knew that there was typically with a lot of IMGs you're applying to multiple multiple programs mm -hmm. just increase the odds of getting in and I'm just going to share my own story I'm not saying it's necessarily what's right for every IMG but I chose to apply just to five programs I really wanted to get into. Mm -hmm. And I felt, you know, where good programs was around the area, I wanted to, you know, settle in. And, you know, thankfully I got into my second choice and that was just my story. <laughs> it was the process of apply going through USLME, all of them was quite the process. You know, I had opted to do a preparatory program through Kaplan but also during that process, decided to apply to be a student counselor as well. So I got, you know, a job in mm -hmm. Kaplan while I was doing the program for myself, but also was paid as a student counselor. It wasn't a whole lot of money, but it was something and got paid to coach other IMGs who were going through the program as well. And that is inspiring how creative you got, like at the same time, while you're preparing for what you need to do, you were also supporting yourself doing the same thing. That's awesome. Like being creative really helped you. That's 
great. And and you said that the cultural difference and the shock was hard. So what helped you overcome the challenge and what advice would you give to the students who are applying now? You know, I, I think I just knew that I've chosen to come to this country, right? I chose to come here. No one forced me to come here. And if I was going to make the most of the opportunities around me, I had to find some way of understanding the, understanding the culture, not necessarily being different from who I am, but at the same time, understanding the culture. And this might sometimes sound like a bad word, but assimilate into the culture. For instance, I'll give you a very good example. It was difficult initially to call my professor, you know, by her first name. But I realized it was going to work against me if I kept saying Professor Linda and having this sort of like, I'm so afraid to talk to you, you know, because you're a professor and I'm a student, you know, kind of attitude around her because it did, it was going to limit her ability to relate with me as a student and really pour into me if she needed to pour, you know, if I needed something from her. She was going to, going to be freer with someone who felt free with her. If I was saying Professor Linda and seeming very timid around her, but the next student is like, hey, Linda, how are you? Let's go grab coffee, you know, and <laughs> who has more access, right? They have more access. Uh -huh. And that and is so, so true. So I had to just sort of learn that there were a few things that would work to my advantage if I decided to go through the discomfort of getting more comfortable with it. And honestly, it wasn't perfect. You know, if I went through that whole experience again, knowing what I know now, several, several years out, I would probably do it even at a different level. I probably would have spent more time interacting with my professors, my fellow students. I mean, I, I hardly uh, I'm in touch with anyone from my MPH years, which is just crazy because mm -hmm. that would have been such a great opportunity to network, right, with fellow students who are now God knows where around the world and around the mm -hmm. you know, country. So I think it's, you know, if I will say something to encourage IMGs, it will be to really embrace the culture. It doesn't mean, again, that you're going to forget where you're from or drop all the values that you hold dear to yourself. But there are some things that serve you well. Being able to learn how to relate with your colleagues and your professors and your attendants and just be more assertive and more confident when you're interacting with them. I think it serves you well. People just remember you better than they would if you do not bring that sort of full self to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And that connection that you develop with your teachers, it doesn't have to be just with respect, but it can be more on a friendly grounds, which yeah, is absolutely. beautiful that we get to do here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. and it doesn't prevent you from being respectful. Really, with your professor doesn't mean you don't respect. Mm -hmm. I was actually, and actually I didn't mention during my MPH, I was able to get a research position with one of the professors, again, just because, not entirely because I was friendly, but just, again, I think if I wasn't, it did take some courage to apply for the position and mm -hmm. to interview for the position, right? Um, and thankfully, I got it as well. So I think it, it just pays off. Yeah, that's awesome. And so tell me more about like, what were your struggles, like especially training in the East Coast, it's intense. And how was the initial challenges that you were able to overcome and what helped you and, and tell about tell us about like where you were at your personal life at that time? A residency was just a crazy period. I was recently married you know, a kid, had a kid during my, I guess, second year in residency. It was tiring. <laughs> a 
a lot of it is a lot of it is a blur right now. And I also even um, my wife and I also had started to do some business also on the side with a multi-level marketing company that was we also learned a lot from just in terms of personal development and just being more entrepreneurial. So there was just so much going on. And I think I managed as best as I could. <laughs> I tried to be present during my residency program itself, tried to be present, you know, at home, tried to be present, you know, my business at a time. It was tasking. I think as um, physicians, we are used to being able to walk very hard and and in many ways, it serves us well, because that's one thing I would definitely encourage IMGs, especially when you've studied outside the country, you're used to grinding, you're used to studying mm-hmm. very hard, putting in long hours and just doing whatever you need to do to make it work. And you can bring that same work ethic to residency and, and beyond, just being able to do the hard work. But I've also had to learn, you know, and maybe we'll talk about that later on, how to relax as well and care for myself as well and create some balance with my family as well. Because it's easy also to just keep going, going, going mm-hmm. and not step back and take your full life, you know, uh, or see your life as a whole. And your wife was also working, right? So with both yes. of you working and with young yes. kids, yes, it's definitely quite a she challenge. Was working to as well, so it was very challenging. I will tell you one funny story. During one of my rotations, this is when my daughter was probably still, you know, less than six months old. And of course, with a newborn, you're waking up every two, three hours. You know, you can't just allow your wife to be the only one that wakes up. So you have to wake up and take turns and change diapers and all of that. And one of my attendants called me aside. It was an ER rotation. And he called me aside. You know, it was a night ro- overnight rotation. And after there was a quiet moment, said, you know, I really need to talk to you about something very sensitive. I really want you to be honest with me because this is very important. But I've noticed, you know, your behavior recently. And I want to find out if you're taking any drugs. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, yes, what? because you're always like, you know, looking tired and exhausted and, you know, not enough every now and then. I was like, well, that's called being a father uh-huh. <laughs> with a newborn. But it was just crazy. But it just showed how exhausting that whole period was that someone actually thought I was doing drugs just because I was exhausted all the time. But I mean, And it must have been a difficult situation to be in when you were in training. And how did you overcome that immediately, that judgment from being a new father, trying to balance. And how did that experience help you? You are a pediatrician now. You know, I think, you know, maybe that and many other circumstances, I believe have helped me be more human and understanding understanding when I deal with my patients. I, for instance, with my parents, I completely understand when sometimes reason is thrown out the window because your kid is sick, you know? And so I give a lot of allowance for them not being able to sometimes completely articulate what's going on or being even irrational sometimes. I remember when my daughter was maybe three months old, I had come back from rotation one day and she had a fever. And my I said she's been running a fever for a few hours. So I took a temperature. I forget what it was, 102 point something. Did her vitals. Her heart rate was like 160, 170. And I was like, oh my God, she's going to die. Her heart is racing too fast. All the worst case scenarios. (laughs) Worst case scenario. I was like, let's go to the ER right away. We need to rush there right now. So I come running through into the ER. Of course, it's my residency program. So my fellow residents are there and I'm like oh my god this is my daughter there's something wrong she has her heart rate is 160 170 she's tachycardic she's, this is terrible 
And they were like, Dr. Bidi, she has a fever. <laughs> if she has a fever, she's also going to be tachycardic. And I said, okay, that's true. That's physiology. <laughs> mm-hmm. But in that moment, I was a parent, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of that was just a lot of my, what a medical training was just out the window. But it does help me when I relate with parents right now to suspend judgment. I take care of a few um, doctors myself in my practice, their, their kids. And the first thing I tell them at that first meeting is, hey, listen, the fact that you're a doctor doesn't mean that I expect you to know everything, right? Feel free to ask me any questions. Don't feel like you are, that you have to know the answers or, or know what's going on. And most of the times they're not pediatricians, right? They have their uh-huh. other specialties. You know, I don't expect you to understand what's going on with your, your, your kid or go figure it out or read it up yourself. Just be a parent when you come into the room with me. Yeah, and unfortunately, babies don't come with a manual to prepare They don't come with a manual. (laughs) Absolutely not. Unfortunately, I wish they did. Yeah, that's beautiful. Like how you grew as a person and you're training from your, learning from your personal experiences. So tell us about your journey from going on for training to a place where you are owning your own practice. So how was the journey and what are some of the struggles or challenges that you had to overcome to be able to do that? Yeah. So I, the practice that I now own, I've been here for going on 18 years now. I've owned it for the past eight years. So it's just been this one practice. I did a very brief year as a hospitalist in New York before I came down out here to Western Maryland where I own my practice now. But I was worked at the practice for 10 years and I you know, just did work. I did my work like I showed. I was, you know, I had work or a team player and was just fortunate and blessed that when the owner was ready to retire, that he offered for me to purchase a practice if I was interested first before offering it to somebody else. And at the time, I think just from my years of doing other businesses on the side, some sort of side hustles here and there with multi-level marketing, I was already entrepreneurial minded. And so although I was not entirely prepared to run a practice I knew it was an opportunity I couldn't give up so I took it on and oh boy was it the ride of a a lifetime Uh (laughs) because as you well know Dr. Kolo no one teaches us how to do business or run practice or the the business of medicine in medical school right or residence Mm -hmm. it's all clinical training for the most part and so it's been a learning process just becoming more confident over the years, but had to go through a lot of years and, you know, still have to deal with it here and there of self-doubt and wondering if I could do this and wondering if I'm doing it well enough and wondering if, you know, it's going to all implode someday if I'm not careful. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's, it's been a growth. growth It's quite a learning process. Yeah. Yes, it has been. It has been. And I think one of the things that has been very helpful to me, especially in more recent years, is I'm so grateful that I decided to invest in myself in one, just learning more about the business of running a practice. So taking time to read, taking time to listen to podcasts, taking time to study just some of the more business processes that need to go on. And also deciding to invest in myself in coaching as well, which has made a tremendous difference, you know, in my life in more recent years, just in both business and personal coaching. And that, that was just a game changer just to have someone else who 
And a good coach doesn't tell you what to do. They just reflect back to you what you're saying and, you mm-hmm. know, really help you sort of dig deep and dig deep in and, and understand your different options and sort of just process what you have in front of you and come up with options <laughs> that you're now able to look at more objectively. And, and of course, they provide feedback as well, but that has been so helpful yeah. to help me with the journey of running my practice. Yeah, that's awesome. And especially having a coach and sometimes you see your blind spots that you are like mm-hmm. not watching yes, over. Yes, being and, unaware of, yes. Yeah. And yes, that's, that's been uh, very helpful. Very useful. And can you share an example like in what aspect of your practice were you able to bring your perspective as an IMG or like being Dr. Obidi that oh helped grow your practice? Or <laughs> Well, you know, I, I think that if I think about that, I will say one of the things that I would like to believe, you know, you probably have to go ask my patients and those who work with me. One of the things I would like to believe has been a benefit just being an IMG is that I run a practice that's very inclusive where we place a high value on the person. You know, all our patients, they doesn't matter if they, you know, take public transportation with a bus to come here or if they or if they're driving, you know, with a BMW, they all get treated equally. They all get treated like very valuable human beings that they are. Mm-hmm. I am constantly training my staff and letting them understand that you don't make judgments of people just because of how they look or how they sound. You know, if a mom can speak English very well, it doesn't mean she's dumb or doesn't understand anything, you know, chances are she probably holds a degree in her own language in her own country. Mm-hmm. So, and she actually has, knows a different language, which is already I'm a lot to be admired, right? That mm-hmm. you can speak multiple languages. So, so I think that has helped to create an atmosphere and a culture and a practice where we really value our patients. And it's an ongoing process. I keep at it, but I think it's created a really big difference in the culture of the practice, even from after I took over the practice. And it's the same culture, even with us as team members, just being understanding that we work as a team. You know, and so we don't tolerate clicks and, you know, backbiting and any of those people don't survive my practice when they have those behaviors. And I've also grown over the years to learn how to hire better. It's not perfect, but learning how to screen and screen for the culture fit before mm-hmm. I even screen for, for technical skills, because you can always teach technical skills, mm-hmm. uh, but you have to have the right attitude and the right sort of way you present yourself. Absolutely. And what are some of the leadership skills that you learned owning your own practice and how did that help you grow? Well, learn how to be very careful with how I handle the practice because there are multiple families who are depending on me for their, you know, your paycheck and for being able to care for their families. So I I've grown over the years to be more deliberate with the business and aspect of the practice and making sure that I am evaluating options and decisions carefully before I make them. You know, again, business is never 100% or perfect, right? But, but at least I'm thinking carefully about that, right? And I think just learning how to be comfortable in discomfort, 
<laughs> I would love to have to not hold any staff meetings or any one-on-one -on -one meetings or, you know, and just... And, and giving feedback, my which work might be... And giving feedback, which may not be pleasant. I would love to just come and see my patients and leave and everything else works itself out. But I've, you know, more and more embraced over the years that they are, you know, difficult parts of what we do. And as a physician, that's not uncommon for us either we're used to doing hard things and so you just do what you need to do yeah that's inspiring all the action steps that you're taking and you went on to launching this newborn preparation course for the new moms so that's quite a journey and what are some of the pearls of advice or tips as we may call you would like to give our listeners who are applying for residency being an IMG or even physicians who are IMGs who are entering the workforce? Yeah, I, I think that understanding that you have value. And I think sometimes it's easy for you to, as an IMG, feel like everybody else has a leg up over you. And, you know, that, and I, you know, love the, the, the title of your podcast, right? The underdog physician, because oftentimes that's how we view ourselves. And I think it's important for us to see that, yes, we may come from a different circumstance and enter into the race in, from a different place, but you bring so much value at the same time. You know, you understand what it means to walk hard. You wouldn't be at this stage of the game med school is not easy to get into even from the countries we're from you know just like it isn't easy easy to get into here as well so we got into med school we went through the grind of med school we graduated med school we came to another country we did what we needed to do with studying for exams so just understand that you bring so much to the table and i think that oftentimes if you look inside and really try and evaluate what you've done as an IMG, even in our countries of origin, there's so much value in it. Sometimes it's easy for us to discount the things we've gone through. And other people, when they look at the same story, they're like, oh my God, you did that? You know, mm -hmm. you, you know, I mean, for instance, say for instance, in your country, you maybe did a rotation in some rural part of the country, like a rural clinic, and you were running a rural clinic or part of a a medical mission somewhere. So you, those experiences may just have been just something I did. But to someone here looking at that, that is such a different experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes IMGs need to really evaluate the things they've done leading up to where they are right now and realize there's so much value in all of those things. And sometimes it's for us because whoever I'm staying before in front of, you know, as an interview is not going to, whoever I'm in front of is not going to know what I bring to the table. They're not going to understand all these experiences if I don't articulate them. Mm -hmm. So I think learning as I am just on our voice where we speak very boldly about the things we've done, very confidently about the things we've done in a very proud way, not proud in a bad sense of the word, but just you know, grateful for the opportunities that you had in the countries you came from and the things you've done even here in the country, you may have done all kinds of things leading up to this point to apply. I think that's one thing I would really advise is to bring your whole self to the table 
And I think when you stand or sit in front of someone and you're expressing all these things, hopefully they can see the value in the things you've gone through. Yeah, that's very important because as IMGs, when we are applying, we are always thinking about the one way. Okay, are we, you know, making sure we are being a good candidate? And it's important to realize what value we are bringing to the other person. As IMGs, when we are applying, it's important to not lose this perspective that we are bringing value to the program. It's not only that we are just looking for getting into residency, but we are Mm -hmm. bringing all that training expertise we have with a different perspective. And that's important to make sure we articulate and it come across in a right way during the interview. So it's helpful than being a limiting uh, factor that you're an IMG and use it as a strength instead. So that's an awesome piece of advice, Dr. Obidi. So if our listeners are uh, looking to reach out to you, which, what would be the best way to reach out to you? Oh, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. They can, maybe an easy way will be Dr. Obidi at drobidi.com. So it's D-R-O-B-I-D-I at drobd.com. It will be maybe an easy way to reach out to me. And, and I mean, one other thing I will say is that we all carry in us, maybe not even just clinical things, maybe other things that we're interested in doing that I will fully encourage IMGs to explore as well. And they can check out more about what I'm doing with my newborn course at newbornprepacademy.com. Yeah, definitely all the moms out there or even the new dads out there, if you're looking for a great resource and support system to get through the tough, difficult phase, if you want somebody to walk you through, definitely check out the quotes by Dr. We really appreciate the work you and Dr. Desai are doing, you know, reaching out to IMGs. I wish I had this resource when I was applying. So thank you so much for the work you do. Thank you for listening to the Underdog Physician Podcast. As you go about your week, no matter how challenging your journey might be, we want you to remember that you're an awesome individual. If you loved listening to this podcast, do subscribe, leave a review in the podcast platform you're listening to us from, and share with others on social media. Please do not forget to tune into our next episode. Until then, Namaste. Namaste.